Welcome back to the Harwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. This week, TJ and I are joined by his associate head coach at Emmanuel College, Graham Maxwell, and we peel back the curtain on the inner workings of the coaching environment and discuss what makes for a great staff. What blind spots do assistant coaches and head coaches have, and what do both sides need to improve on in order to be at their best for their teams? Before we start, a quick word from PGC Basketball. Coach, one of the easiest ways to make your offense work and win more games is to have a team of lights-out shooters. But most coaches don't have time or don't know how to create a team of deadly shooters. That's where PGC's Fall Weekend Shooting College Camps come in. We'll equip you and your players with the coaching mindset, mechanics, footwork, and training plan every player needs to increase their shooting percentage. If you're tired of not having a team of knockdown shooters who can shred any type of defense, bring them to a shooting college weekend this fall. We have 46 fall camps nationwide, so just go to pgcbasketball.com to find a session closest to you. And as a special bonus, we have waived the fee for coaches to observe the shooting college course. Over 1,500 coaches attend PGC camps each year, and spots are limited, so reserve your spot today at pgcbasketball.com. Hey, welcome to the Hardwood Hustle. I have two special guests with me today, uh, Lisa Amir, who's a regular here, and Graham Maxwell, uh, my associate head coach at Emmanuel College. And we're going to do a session today on assistant coach and coaching staffs. We're going to do the first part talking about kind of assistant coaches. How can you be a great assistant coach? What does it look like? What are some things you need to be aware of? And the second part, we're going to flip it and they're going to do a little bit of interview of me. And we're going to talk about what are head coaches looking for and how can they thrive in the role, really trying to just help staffs be better. So if you're coming at it from a head coach or an assistant coach point of view, uh, we're here to help both of you so that you can have a better staff. So Lisa has been six years at uh, St. Mary's where she was a division one assistant coach out there in California. Graham is almost uh, 10 years in and he's recently uh, been named one of the top 30 under 30 assistant coaches in America at any level. And so we have two really, really experienced season assistant coaches here. And I've been a head coach for almost 20 years. So we're going to get multiple points of view here on what can make a great staff. And some we may agree and some may we have some differences on, but it'd be great for coaches to hear so that you can make sure you're maximizing your staff. This is one of the frustrations and pain points for me oftentimes is I just think people are underutilized and staffs aren't getting as much out of everybody as they possibly can. So let's let's first just talk about, and let me get your opinion on two or three things that each of you think are essential to being a great assistant coach. You know, something that you showed up and did on a daily basis that added a lot of value to your program. Lisa, let's start with you. Yeah, I think one of the best things that you can do for your head coach as an assistant is to just keep things off of their plate that they don't need to worry about. And and sometimes we do a good job of making sure that our head coach doesn't do the work, but sometimes it's the not worry about it. Like, what do they, you know, Coach Thomas at St. Mary's, he always has the, had the need to know. Like, if I need to know, please, you know, bring me in, let me know that's important. But if I don't, feel free. Like, that was our autonomy to go and handle it as assistants. And and it comes with time and comes with trust. But when you do that, I feel like it just frees everybody up, you know? So you might be able to handle a player conversation or maybe something with your admin or scheduling. And there would be a couple of times where he'd look over at us and he'd be like, What's that? What do I need to know? Like, Coach, you don't need to know. Don't worry, worry about it. I think that's probably one of the best things that we can do. And it kind of comes with time. It comes with paying attention, observing your head coach, 
what do they like to know? What do they not, you know, really don't want to care about, don't want to hear. I think, you know, you have to get to know each other. And sometimes as an assistant, you, you get frustrated that you're not trusted. And I think it just, hopefully with anybody in a relationship just comes with time. Graham, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think Lisa, that's really good. That's spot on. You know, I'll start with a, a really quick story. Um, so I was my first year, uh, I was an assistant for TJ and, you know, I was really unsure. I think there's been a couple of times in my career where I've been unsure about being a coach. Uh, but my first year, I was really unsure. And I spoke with a mentor of mine. And I was like, you know, in the middle of the season, I was like, man, I don't I don't know if this is for me. Um, I don't know if coaching is my calling, you know, and he just asked me a question. He's like, well, he said, are you are you all in? He said, do you have both feet in to coaching? And I thought about it for a while and I think I called him back the next day. And I was like, you know, I don't think I've been all in. And he said, well, you don't know. Um, if this is what you're supposed to do, if you're only, you know, one foot in and one foot out. And he said, you know, give it a year when you're all in. And then at the end of the year, decide whether or not this is for you. And my first thing I would say assistant coaches need to be is all in. Like You don't know if that that position or that place is where you're supposed to be if you're not all in. If you're halfway there and you're or you're halfway not there. Um, then that that's hard because like half of your heart is going to be involved while the other half of your heart is thinking, you know, somewhere else or like the brighter lights or another program or another opportunity. And so I think it starts there is you have to be all in um, in order to fully be aware um, and just observant for what your head coach needs, what your players need um, and just everything. So I really do believe that it all starts with you know, being all into your role. And you hear the phrase a lot, just being where your feet are. Um, so I, I think that is probably the most valuable thing you can be as an assistant. Graham, I really appreciate what you said there. I think sometimes assistants can feel like they don't matter as much and even they don't know yet. Right. And I just think like, I know there's some assistants that almost try to hide because they're maybe, maybe they're not all in and they think, Oh, it doesn't matter what I do. Like everybody's doing their thing. What we do as assistants does matter. Like we are modeling and people are, players are paying attention. And I, I don't know, do you think that sometimes assistants just don't think that their role matters or maybe they don't value themselves in their role as much as they should? Yeah, a hundred percent. And the way to fix it, I think, and we can talk about this later, we dive into the head coaching um, things, but you know, a lot of that's on a head coach as well. Like as an assistant, if I don't have any ownership over anything, like I am always going to be like in the background, you know, like I'm always going to be like, well, I hope I, this day just goes by or practice goes by without me messing up, you know, but if I have ownership over something, then I'm, I'm more likely to be involved. I'm more likely to give my point of view, you know, the more like ownership and things I've had over the years, the more discussions and pushback I've given TJ, you know, I felt like I have a stronger voice because like, well, I actually have ownership over this. And so uh, in order to be all in, I think I need to either a make a decision. Why don't I just become the owner of this or be like, go to my head coach, like, Hey coach, do you think I can take some ownership over this and just kind of run with it a little bit? Cause there you're more likely to be all in when you do that. So, yeah. Next question I have for you guys, Graham, careful on this one here, but um, <laughs> what, what are seriously, what are some pet peeves that you have of the head coach in the way they may go about their job towards assistant coaches, you know, and, and because I, I think it, it leads right into what both of you were just talking about, because I, I think it's probably one of mine too, is when assistant coaches don't have ownership, 
you know, like when they're there, we'll talk more on the, on the back end of this on, on how valuable I think assistants are and what they can add to the program and, and how can, how they can hurt the program. You know, I think both the head coach and assistant coach have the ability to really help a program and really hurt a program. But what are some pet peeves that you have um, that a head coach might do? And Lisa, we'll, we'll let you start and then Graham soft when, when it's your turn. All right, here we go. Yeah, I think my, one of my things is just like, we've talked about it before, just the importance of communication. And I think there's, there's times when a head coach wants to give feedback and the timing of it and the approach of it and how it should be a regular thing. And so that when you want to give something that you're like, man, they screwed up that they, I think assistant coaches, especially too, when you know, you got it wrong, you, you just want to, you want to hear something, even if it's the I think hearing nothing is really, really challenging. And so there's a lot of, you know, assistant coaches that we talk to that are just like, you know, my coach, we don't ever get any feedback. We don't ever talk about it. So it's like, it might just be one little conversation. It might be timed meeting in your week, or it might just be making sure the head coach is checking in on the assistant regularly in a casual conversation. And then you can bring in, Hey, I really liked your work out there, but I think you could have done something different. I think getting that burst of feedback in the moment that's probably comes from frustration or maybe it's been pent up, whatever that is, I think just keep it a constant conversation. I hate um, either hearing nothing um, and knowing that, gosh, that could have been better. Or I think, you know, the head coach was frustrated with me today, but I don't really know how to fix it. Uh, Just making sure to have that casual conversation at at a minimum. And and it it goes a long way because it just develops the relationship even more Then you might the head coach might get to hear their perspective or maybe why they did it a certain way. And so, you know, having those starting with the questions, it'll build trust, build a relationship and hopefully make both uh, coaches better. Yeah. It's so important. I think communication solves so many problems, but well, I think players and coaches, head coaches and assistant coaches, everybody likes to know where they stand. Everybody likes to know what's going on, even if it's like I'm not doing great. Well, I want to know that so I can do better, you know, and I don't think that communication is regular enough. And the other thing I think sometimes, Lisa, you tell me if this is true or not, but if all you ever hear is once a week when you mess up, then it just it's one of those just negative withdrawals and your bank account's empty. You just feel like withdrawal, withdrawal, withdrawal. And so I think assistant coaches need to hear positive stuff, but even more than the positive or the negative, I think you hit it on the head, regular communication so that it's not like catching me off guard or I only hear the negative stuff. But, you know, that that constant communication, I think, just breeds a good relationship within a staff. Graham, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I've heard this from a lot of other assistants as well. I, I think this could be not necessarily for me, but I know this is a pet peeve from a lot of assistants that, you know, their coach. Good framing right there. Way to, way to protect yourself. <laughs> their, uh, their coach isn't really that concerned with their personal growth, you know? And so I get this question all the time and I speak at clinics or, you know, whatever it might be like, you know, how do you approach your head coach and, and tell them, Hey, I want more responsibility. And so I do think that is on the head coach. Like, Hey, if you make your assistant coach better, your team is going to be better. And so that I think that is something um, for sure that head coaches need to be aware of. The better I make my assistant, the better our team is. And one thing, uh, coach, don't don't fire me over this. Uh, just I've learned throughout the years, but just extreme clarity. You know, we all the time try to seek extreme clarity with our players. Um, and I think even when I was younger, I'm still a young guy, but even when I was younger, 
I think you would probably say something to me and I'm just like, all right, yeah, let's go do it. You know, I'd go out and it was like, oh, that's not what you want. <laughs> and I come back and you're like, all right, well, let's try this again. And now I've, you know, you, you might say something to me and I'm like, well, I don't understand. Like, can you tell me again? Where early on, I would just, you know, I would just go do it and, and say, oh, I understand everything you're saying, but now I have to ask questions. And so I think the, the more clarity we can get saves time on the back end. Yeah. And I think you do a great job of that, Graham, of, of coming to me. And as from a head coach perspective, it really does help to have assistants that take the initiative and come have those conversations. I mean, I think it is, it does fall to the head coach to make sure it's happening, but it helps when you have an assistant coach that's willing to go start those conversations and say, Hey, I want responsibility here. How am I doing here? Because I don't always think about that stuff, but happy to do it when you hear and that's what that person needs you know, in that moment. So it is it is really crucial, I think, for assistant coaches to not be afraid to start those conversations. And for head coaches, you know, I got a really kind of a, a testing thought here for you. But I often think that, you know, if you're not happy with your assistants and the job they're doing, it's a reflection of your leadership. You know, I, I think that it is your job to lead them up. I say the same thing about players. If you're having player issues and player problems, like it, the, fir the first person you need to be pointing the finger at is yourself. You are the leader of that team. And, and if you have attitude issues, culture issues, whatever, it's your job to fix them. And that might mean a lot of different things. That might mean more conversations. That might mean letting somebody go. But at the end of the day, by the end of one season, I think a staff should know whether you work or don't work. Like I think an assistant coach should be like, look, I'm not, I'm not down for this. Or a head coach should say, listen, they're not about this and they're not right for the job. But what I don't like to see is it just carries on for two years, three years, four years, and both parties are miserable. I think that's poor leadership. And I, I think that it's, you know, the job of both people, but specifically the head coach to, to make sure that you're working towards resolution and clarity and understanding. But the assistant coach plays a huge role in that. I mean, Graham is a major blessing to me that there's so much going on and so much on my plate when he comes and says, Hey, I think we need to talk about this almost all the time. He's right. And it just like, I, it just was back of mind for me. And so it's really helpful to have proactive assistance. Would you guys agree? Yeah. I think proactive assistants are such a great asset to a program because they can anticipate the needs of the head coach of, of fellow assistant coaches of student athletes you know, some of the best feedback that I've ever gotten or support that I've ever gotten was from my fellow assistant coaches. And that came with having been together for such a long time and the environment that we created in our in our work and in the offices. And, and so we need that on our staffs. We need environments where we make each other better. And so I think that allows us to all be more proactive, more comfortable, uh, building trust in the relationships. And a lot of times, it, it t comes with time, but sometimes it's just even head coaches being proactive and head coaches being able to, you know, answer the questions or meet the needs of their staff. So whatever that might look like for each coach in their situation, it's really important that we work towards empowering our assistant coaches so that they can be proactive. Yeah, and I, I think head coaches can do a better job. Like one of the places I don't think I support Graham super well is that he does want clarity and he does a great job of searching and asking for that clarity. But in my mind, like I'm not always the most organized person. Like I have all these thoughts in my head, but putting them to paper and delivering them is not my strength. So I think it's important for head coaches to know that. Now, over time, Graham has learned to draw those things out of me. 
and say, hey, okay, well, what about this? Did you want to do this? And he has great questions, but it doesn't come natural to me. And I think head coaches need to know their weaknesses. And while I have the big picture in my head and all the things I'm thinking and you know, that, like, that doesn't help the assistant coach if they don't know that stuff. Uh, but recognizing my weaknesses that I don't necessarily lay all that out very well. And so I need an assistant that asks great questions because Graham draws that stuff out of me. Um, so from either end, whether it's me recognizing that weakness or having somebody on his end that recognizes that weakness, that Graham's never told me that's a weakness, but his in questions probably lead to the fact that it is a weakness because he has to ask so many questions to get it out of me. But the end goal is to get on the same page and get in the same direction. And so we shouldn't be defensive about that. My question, next question to you guys is, how do you go like about that? Like me and Graham have a great relationship. And I think Graham can walk in and ask any question anytime. But there's a lot of coaches and staff that don't have that relationship. And maybe sometimes they're they're wondering, should I or should I not approach the head coach about this? How do you decipher when you should or when you shouldn't? And what are some good ways to approach the head coach to make sure that um, you're you're getting your question heard or you're getting your point heard? Yeah, I'll start with this one, Lisa. You know, I'm in a unique situation. Like, I, I, I don't know how many assistants, especially at this level, like Division Two, like how many people are getting to work for the same guy they played for for this amount of time, you know? So I, I think we'd be naive to say, like, everyone's situation looks like ours. We've been together for so long. We've developed such a good relationship. And so if I'm a new coach going into a new staff, I think the first thing that people need to do is just they just need to be humble. You know, we, you bring in a, you bring in a brand new coach. I think what you said, coaches, it, I mean, it hits the nail on the head. Like why, why not our very first staff meeting we have, let's just lay out like, Hey, here's, here's my weaknesses. Hey, you know, Graham, here's how you can, here's how you can close these gaps for me. Here's kind of some of my expectations or, you know, here's what I've noticed, even our little bit of time working together, Graham, like these are your weaknesses. Here's how I'm going to help you close those gaps. And so, I think if everyone starts on the same page, like this is what my head coach needs of me. This is the best time to approach him. Here's how he gets approached uh, or, or her, right? Like that. those are the things I think can really help right off the beginning instead of taking, I mean, we're going to be working together for 10 years. <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't happen that often. So I think starting on the same page is it's going to set you up for a lot of success. And then this, I mean, just the other thing is like, why not take a personality test if you can? I mean, I think we got to know each other a little bit, but as soon as I realized like, okay, coach Rosine's a D, you know, and I'm an I, and I learned the ways that you, you like questions to be asked. or I learned the ways that you like to have like proposals to you. Like I started to, walk in that lane more than I did before because I was unsure how you liked it, but now I know how you like it. Okay. I'm doubling down going in that lane because that's how you receive things. That's how you like things. So I do believe a personality test can be a beneficial thing for any staff. Definitely Graham. And I would add in there that as an assistant, when you approach your head coach, it's really important. I don't know. I just felt like it was always a good practice to give the benefit of the doubt. You know, like, hey, coach, why are, why are we doing this? Or, you know, can you let me in to what you're thinking? Because oftentimes I always found, you know, the head coach I worked for had been doing it for 20 plus years. And 
he always had a plan. Like he had that big picture in his mind. He might just not have spit it out to us, you know? And so I felt like I've uncovered some things first. And so giving the benefit of the doubt was always a good approach and an easier one. Cause then I could see it as a learning opportunity just by asking the question. And then I think, you know, a head coach could make it a best practice and an assistant coach should also do that. But like, we you know, okay, thanks for bringing this up. Like, what would you do? Like, how would you respond? You know, what do you propose we do? Cause I think assistant, sometimes we can bring up problems and we don't come with solutions. And so that helps for our development. And then it helps us understand, okay, great idea, but here's the things you're not thinking about down the road. And so again, just another learning opportunity, but I think the benefit of the doubt, I think the questions that just really, again, just builds that trust that, okay, I think you, I, I believe you know what you're doing, but maybe I can fill this gap or maybe I can play this role for you. Or maybe there's something that we're not thinking of that I'm bringing to the table. And then again, you're, everybody's just bringing that value. Yeah, Lisa, I think um, I think you said a really, really good thing there, too, is and we don't always need like I, I'm a I'm a parent of two young girls, you know, and sometimes I'll tell my oldest daughter something and like she'll ask a question in my mind and thinking because I'm the parent, just do it. You know, <laughs> that's what I think. And, you know, we don't always have to have like, oh, head coaches, we need you guys to tell us why our proposals are, are, you know, or they won't work. But if you think about it, the more times I propose something to Coach Rosine and I say, hey, I think we should do something like this. And he has a lot of times throughout, you know, our time together. It's a no, but here's why it's a no. So the next time I come back to him, I've thought through more scenarios and more things that because I know, okay, here's what he's thinking. I'm trying to view everything through the lens of the head coach. So there's a benefit for our head coach to tell us why it's a no, not just it's a no because we're doing it my way. I mean, that that erodes trust, right? Like you want to be able to have your staff think through the same lens that you're thinking through as the head coach. You know, I, I've always thought, and you guys tell me if this is true or not, there's this gap between the assistant coach and the head coach. And it, it, this gap that always causes a little bit of tension. And here's what I think the gap is, is that I think a lot of times, and not in every staff, not in every coach, but I, I think that a head coaches need a little more humility and assistant coaches need a little more confidence because there's this thing where head coaches think they know everything and oh, I've got this all figured out, you know, that, that whole, and they just don't have enough humility to recognize that, their assistant coaches have gifts that they don't have and how do we utilize those and, and vice versa. You know, the assistant coach should realize and the head coach has gifts that are, are different. And I've never put more value on one set of gifts than the other. Like when I specifically, when I think about, you know, what, what Graham and, and I do, like, I think what got into my lanes where my strengths are and he's in his lanes where his strengths are. And if you were to take away me from the equation, it would really hurt us. And if you were to take him away from the equation, it would really hurt us because we're filling these things that serve the team. And then from the assistant coach, oftentimes and not always, there's this lack of confidence. Sometimes it comes because there's not clarity because maybe they haven't done it before because they don't know if the coach has their back. I don't know what it is, but in between is this gap that stops you from being a great staff because the assistant coach needs to have a little more confidence and the head coach needs to have a little more humility and then they can meet in this place and realize how they can work together. And again, I know I'm generalizing a little bit, but you know, I've seen that happen in me and Graham is like, you know, as a head coach, like I didn't, I always trusted Graham as a person, but when he's a new assistant coach, like I didn't feel like I could hand everything over, you know, where we flip now 10 years later and, 
Graham and I could probably flip roles and the team would be just the same. Like he's grown that much and he could go do this and, you know, I could go do that. But we were working towards that. And I think a lot of coaches just live in that gray area where they never work towards that, where it's just like, Hey, here's what I do. Here's what you do. And that, that tension lies in the middle. Would you guys agree or disagree? Yeah, I agree. And you know, I, I think too, where that, I think where probably some of the biggest gap comes like that coach is so many times assistants, they try to be their head coach. And I just said, view everything through the lens of the head coach, but it doesn't mean be the head coach. And so I think even earlier in my career, it was probably like, I need to be TJ. I need to be and and I wasn't in my lane. So I didn't have confidence because it's like, I'm trying to be somebody I'm not. And that takes time. You know, I, don't, I, I think it takes a very special person to walk into a new profession in any profession, not just, you know, a coach, but they walk into that profession and they just, they're like, all right, this is who I am. And I'm so confident who I am. I mean, that takes, I mean, you know, years and evaluated experience, I think is, is such a big thing, but you just, and this is an overused term, you know, just, you know, someone becomes a head coach. The first advice they get is be yourself, be yourself <laughs> that, but that's true as an assistant too. You got to be yourself. I can't be TJ. If I, if I try to be TJ, I'm going to have no confidence the rest of my coaching career. I got to be Graham. I got to walk in that. Mm-hmm. And it, Yeah. That comes just, just maturity. But I, I also think the knowing why, like each coach's purpose between why they're there, why are you at the school? Why are you coaching under me? You know, why, wait, what's, what's your vision for your career? Sometimes we don't ask that question to start. And I think that really helps coaches get on the same page. And you talked about, you know, developing assistance, like how much is it on the head coach to hold their hand along the way? And how much do assistants need to take ownership of their own development? I think that's something I learned, like not every head coach is going to be great at developing developing their staff. And if you're rebuilding a program, you got to put so much energy into your players. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, like we all know, like you said, Graham, if, if you build and develop more assistant coaches, you're going to have a better program and a team. So like you need to put some energy into that. But I think assistant coaches need to be and get clear on their why and what they can do and how they can help and serve. And that's going to grow them as well. So I I think sometimes assistants put too much on their head coach to hold their hand or they get frustrated and, and they just, you know, maybe grumble behind the scenes. Like, why doesn't my head coach do this? Or doesn't he see me or don't, why don't I get more responsibilities? Like, I think again, you just, the more you put in, the more you get out, like you got to invest and take ownership too. Yeah. You know, it's funny that I I look at, I personally look at the equation of what it takes to make a great team or what it takes to make a, a great marriage. And it just so happens that in a lot of the situations of leadership that I've been in, I'm a little bit more on the front line. And so sometimes people value those like a little bit more, like they think, oh, well, he's doing this or he's doing that. I personally have never overvalued those things. I just think it, and it goes back to when I was a player And my dad talked about role identification and he told me as a player, because I was a unselfish human being, like I I wanted everyone to feel involved and included and a part of it. And he said that um, your role is to score the basketball and you're not doing your role well right now. But I I felt it didn't make sense to me because I'm like, well, everybody wants to score the ball, you know, And, and he put it in like, that's just your role. Like you're, you're the best scorer on this team. We need you to take more shots and score the ball. 
And it happens to be the one out front that happens to get a little bit more praise and all that kind of stuff. But other players needed to rebound other play. Everybody needed to do that stuff. So if I filled my role and I scored like we needed to score, but the other roles weren't filled, we were going to lose. And so, yes, mine was in the limelight a little bit more, but it really didn't matter to me because if all the roles weren't filled, we weren't going to be able to win. And so when I look at a staff, and I think about, okay, here's the 12 things. I'm just making up a number. We have to do great to have a good season. Well, the six things I might do might have a little bit more you know, forward facing where people see it more, but I've never undervalued the other six things. Like they still have to happen. I look at it in marriage the same way. You know, my wife's like, oh, you're doing this great. You're doing that great, whatever. But at the end of the day, like her things might not always be out in front as much, but I know we don't work if she doesn't fill her role great. And so I think when, when coaches, if you're really about making a great team, recognizing that all of these things have to be done well for you to be a great team. I'll give you an example, like in our culture, I do think I do a good job of facilitating culture of being intense, uh, intentional about it, making sure we're vulnerable and all that. But Graham does a lot of the dirty work with daily conversations with players, with being available, with all of these other things. So I know that my grand picture of culture doesn't work unless all of those little things get done. And he's really great at relationships and he's really great at feeding into players. He's really great at being available for players. And so I think for head coaches, you know, one make sure you're aware of that. And for assistant coaches, understand the value too. Like maybe your head coach has some things that they do really well, but if you're not doing those other things, well, it doesn't work. You know, it takes, it takes a, you know, a village in this, in this scenario, it takes a staff to be able to do that. And that's the way I've always kind of looked at the equation. So, um, Hey, let's flip it here for a second. So what are some things that you guys either, you know, could share with us or ask questions about that you think would help, head coaches better serve assistant coaches? Well, I'm going to start a little bit on that point you just made about your role as a head coach. How much do you own the staff camaraderie or the staff gelling or working well together? I think there's a lot of assistants out there who just experience a competitive environment, an unhealthy, toxic staff work environment. And they head coach, especially because we're all you know, adults here, you assume or you think like, oh, they'll figure it out. And sometimes there's some strife and some frustration between assistants. Like how do you or what can head coaches do to to help or how much ownership do they take over that you know toxic work culture that happens on staffs? Yeah, I mean, I think a toxic work culture, it goes a lot to the head coach, you know, because you make a lot of decisions and, you know, but I think the same I, I said a second ago is true too. Like there are plenty of assistants that can aid a toxic culture or lead to a toxic culture. So it can be a lot of people involved in creating that toxic culture. What I think it really goes back to is why you do what you do. You know, like, like you're probably going to work from a place of your deepest why. And so like, why, why do I coach? What am I trying to do? Like when I think about coaching, you know, we're trying to develop great young men. Like there's other things we're trying to do too. Like I'm trying to enjoy the process. Like I, I, it's important to me that me and Graham and our staff have a great relationship because I really want to do life with people that are going to make me better. I want to do life with people that are on a like minded mission to me. Right. But if I was a head coach sourcing it for my only want to win, 
then I'm probably not thinking about these things, you know? And that's where I think toxic cultures can happen is when you just source from a place like that. Like if you can't get the why right, I'm not sure all the things in the world are going to make it better. You know, like, Hey, let's sit down and have coffee every day for 10 minutes. That might help. But at the end of the day, you're going to revert right back to what your why is. And then the assistant coaches are going to know that. And same thing from a head coach. Like if assistant coaches are like, look, I'm just here to get on to get to the next job, like whatever, like a head coach is going to know that that's going to promote a not toxic culture. There's nothing wrong with ambition, but like Graham alluded to earlier, like having both feet in to where you're at and what you're doing. So I think a lot of that culture and, and, and the things that lead, I think it's the responsibility of everybody. I think the head coach can really help guide that in a great direction, but I think everybody's why is going to matter. And that's why I think aligning yourself with good people is so important in anything that you do in life. Yeah. I got a question for you, coach. So we, we think about like assistance and growing and, and how the more the assistants get better and the more the head coach can coach them up in their roles that they have, I think the better the staff gets, but how do you know somebody is ready as an, how do you know an assistant is ready to, to begin to have a voice and ownership of different things? Like, is there a baseline? Is there something you notice as a coach? Like, okay, now they're ready to start adding more things to their plate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I would give this advice to assistant coaches. Like, I, I think you go through this maturation and the one we just, the hardware hustle we just had with Tony Bennett, I thought was phenomenal. His articulation, like I've been around a lot of great coaches. When I think about, you know, having conversation with, with a John Wood and a Don Meyer, um, a Tony Bennett or whatever, like what, one thing that always sticks out to me about those people is they're really simple. And I think as an assistant coach, a lot of times you come in and you think that you have to be so impressive and, and, and be able to coach every single point and be able to do everything, you know? And I think that's also just you trying to prove yourself, you trying to show that you can do this. But the reality of it is, is I think the first step is just to do little things well and to do it simple and to not over coach it and to just kind of help people along. And I think that can be one of the things that sometimes a head coach might, you might start to lose a little bit of trust is like they coach 12 or 15 things in a five minute period, you know, and that's a lot. And I get where an assistant coach is coming from. Like they're just trying to show that they can do it. And, and, and I was that as a young coach, even as a head coach, I was over coaching to prove myself. And then understanding, you know, so I don't think it's exclusive to assistant coaches. I think it's just something that people trying to prove themselves do. And really, um, we can really complicate it and make things messy. So I think that keeping it simple helps to earn trust. You know, I think I think you look at an assistant coach that is, you know, uh, has an approach that is really good that earns trust, like an approach of like, I'm here to help the players and I'm here to whatever. You know, I think sometimes it's like, I have to assert my voice and show that I'm the boss. Like you don't have to be me. You just have to go in there and be about the player and making them better. You don't have to prove your authority. You don't have to. And so I think a lot of times where assistant coaches, you know, are trying to do their best, but might not gain a lot of trust is by overdoing things. Yeah. TJ, when an assistant becomes a head coach, I can't remember if you've experienced this or not. I feel like you went straight to head coaching, but uh, there's a shift in feeling the ownership of the team, what you take home with you at night, that pressure to win. It kind of, I feel like if I put myself in those shoes, if I really did it, I feel like every, like the burden of everything, a loss feels 
10 times worse. I don't know if a win even feels better, but it's just a loss. You, you just take it home with you more. As an assistant coach, I feel like you, you really have, some of us can have a good balance of like, man, we really want to win, but like we can step back because that burden doesn't weigh us down, you know? So mm-hmm. what would you tell assistant coaches about that feeling when you move the 12 inches over to the next seat? Um, like, what is it like for you or what, how could you let an assistant coach into what's going on in your head? Or maybe how could they serve you, um, throughout the season when you probably, you do heavy is the head that wears a crown. You say that all the time. So what would you tell assistants? You know, one thing I would do, I would back up before I answer this question. Like, I think we're told a lot of things by the world. And I, I, I think that that can lead us down a bad path. So I think everybody thinks, well, I got to go be an assistant coach. Then I need to be a head coach. And then I need to be, you know, like, and that's what you're supposed to do. And, and I not say that that's not true. Like that's so far from the truth, but I don't think it is completely true. I think that some people are wired to do different things and never underestimate the value of what you do. Like there are a lot of days when we walk away from our program and Graham had much more impact than I did. But I think people think sometimes because you're the head coach, you do, you know, I might have, I might have just scheduled buses and, you know, tries to get us a raise or do whatever. Right. And like, it really didn't have that much impact on people where Graham had five conversations with players that were struggling and he helped change the trajectory of their life. His day was way more valuable than my day. And I don't think people always understand that and, and, and think that and see that. So you know, nothing wrong with wanting to be a head coach, nothing wrong with wanting to be an assistant your entire life. Nothing like we don't have to follow this track of what people always tell us that we have to do in any profession. It's not true. We're all made different. We all have different gifts in life. We all have different things that we can bring to the table. And, you know, I am wired probably like a head coach, like a high D I, I, I'm, I'm driven to be that way, but there's many days I'm jealous of good assistant coaches where I look back and I'm like, man, they had so much impact today. And all I did was move the X's and O's forward, or I did, you know, like, and, and I do think I have impact, but I, I, I have to be more intentional about that. I have to work towards that. So that's the first thing that I would say is like, be careful. Like, you know, the old Don Meyer, be thankful for your lot in life. You know, like when we look back at the end of this and our careers are over, there's a lot of assistant coaches that are going to have had way more impact. When I think about like a guy like Bob Starkey, who just impacts the game on such a high level and he impacts people so much, like, man, there's thousands of head coaches that are not going to have had the impact that Bob Starkey had. And so like that, that would be the first thing that, that I would say. And then the second thing uh, answering more of your question is, you know, invest yourself to the point where it does hurt like that. You know, I think head coaches need to learn to make it hurt a little less. Like, you know, you might be too wrapped up in everything that's going on and and you might be missing actually a lot of great teaching points because you're so wrapped up on, on your identity being in wins and losses and the assistant coach, you know, you might be easy come easy go because you're not invested enough sometimes. And both people can grow in those things. Like I've noticed even in the last few years, like how much more it hurts Graham you know, like on, on losses, like I think I've come back from it a little bit and, you know, to the place where I used to be. And I think Graham has gotten to this point, which I think is good. I think I've needed to come back from how much I wrap stuff into it. And I think Graham has invested so much more in all the things that he's doing because he, you know, he is running more, probably more than 50% of our program where I see him hurt that way. And so it hurts more 
the more you give, like, and I think that's true of players. I think, I mean, I think there's players that don't work real hard about it, hard at it. And they're like, they lose or they don't get the minutes they want. And it doesn't bother them that much. I've had players that gave everything they had to the program and didn't get in very many games and it hurt them a lot. And I, it should hurt them a lot because they worked so hard. Now that doesn't define them. Like they did something most players weren't willing to do. And there's value in that. And so I think just the more you invest, the more you give, the harder those things become. And so I think the assistant coach can work towards giving more and the head coach can put it in a little bit better perspective, work towards that, that angle to put it in better perspective. Yeah. You, this is, this is my last question for you, coach. You may have just answered it. This might be your answer, but um, going back to the same question you asked us assistants, what's your pet peeves, you know, about head coaches, what, what would you say, uh, obviously, something with your assistants you have now or something you've heard from other head coaches, what are some big pet peeves that you feel like assistant coaches can grow in to either serve a head coach better or just, you know, to grow in that way as an assistant? Yeah, so my top five pet peeves about Graham, is that what you're asking? Yeah, <laughs> oh, man, I can rattle these off in a hurry. No, just kidding. Um, you know, here – this would probably be my pet peeve, but um, assistant coaches, probably head coaches as well, but that it's all basketball. You know, like I, I just want to go do this player workout and I, I think we should be doing this X's and O's and, like, and all we ever talk about is basketball. Like we're in the people business. And I, I, I think that, um, and you, you know, this is we've, tried to hire assistant coaches over the years. Like, you know, you'll get these resumes of I can bring X number of players with me. I know this so-and-so guy, well, I can bring in this offense or I can bring in this defense. And it immediately turns me off, you know, like I, I want people that are in the people business. I want people that care about people. And, you know, I, I think that would probably be at the top of my pet peeves. And then, you know, the second pet peeve would be, somebody that doesn't have a servant's heart. And that's probably from a head coach or an assistant coach, you know, like you can tell really quickly when somebody's in it for a little bit of a power trip, you know, and they're like telling players to do this and telling players to do that. Like I want coaches that want to come work alongside players, work alongside me, not above me, not above players, not above, you know, you know, when coaches are getting into it for some level of authority, I think that's a pet peeve um, of mine, you know, and then, you know, finally a last pet peeve would just be somebody that doesn't have a growth mindset, you know, like somebody that just doesn't want to get better because I feel the burden on my shoulders to get better every day. Like, I, I feel like I owe that to my staff, my team, my, myself, like I just want to get better. So I think an assistant coach that doesn't have a growth mindset and they, Oh, I know better than the coach. I know that like that, that's probably a pet peeve. I, I, I want to work with people that are lifelong learners that want to get better. Yeah, I have a quick story about that. So what you said, Coach, is, you know, we're we're like in the people business, you know, like serving people and not just focused on basketball. I think one of the best lessons I ever learned from you is it, this was three years ago, maybe four years ago. I mean, we were kind of hitting a tough stretch of our season. And, you know, you'll get these text messages from me occasionally or our other assistant, Micah, that was at the time. And, you know, we have these knee-jerk reactions like, hey, let's hey, let's go in this room and let's sit down and let's have a powwow and let's just air it all out and let's get on the guys and let's fuss at them. And and your response was, I'll never forget this, your response was, hey, let's let's cook breakfast for our guys before practice. And it just like blew me away because I'm like, 
huh? Like we got to get better. We're, we're on a losing streak here. Like we need to, we need to go make shots. We got to fix our offense. We, our defense is horrible. Like this isn't us. And your response was, we need to go make breakfast for our guys. Graham, here's what you need to bring. Micah, here's what you need to bring. And here's what I'm going to cook. Right. And so we showed up early and the guys are all feeling it like, oh man, today's practice. You know, I remember them just being so nervous for what practice was going to look like from what they've experienced their entire life. And then they look up in our VIP room and they see us up there cooking breakfast and they come up there. And I have players still talk about that to this day, about how much that's impacted their life. And to me, I think there's no better example than that is that we're in the people business. You know, like I can't even remember if we won the next game, to be honest with you. But I can remember how I felt and how our players felt in that moment. And so just to say, like, I, I just to back that up, I 100% agree with you. And I know you live that out. It's not just something you say. Well, I appreciate that, G. And, and you do that on a daily basis. And not that it matters, but I think we won 10 of the next 11, But um, which was a, a really good springboard for us. But no, I, 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 I think that's true. And you've modeled that to me numerous you know, times, specifically like I'm jealous many times at how often you can just press pause and be with people and, and you can be with players and I just am not wired all that way to pause. And I've got a thousand things going on in my head. And it's just like, man, I look down sometimes. And I'm like, man, that guy is just changing lives. He is just really making an impact. And, and so while Graham remembers something that I did, maybe to lead the group that maybe had that, that you know, impact on them, you know, he does that on a daily basis. And again, that breakfast was good but it doesn't mean nearly as much if there's not the other end of it where Graham's doing his daily work of pouring into these people. And that's why I think it's so important. People understand how important a staff is like how the role that everybody can play. And we really got to drop our guard and just get humble about this and, and, and be in it together. And the other thing, last thing I'll say, wrap us up here is like, it is really fun when you build a staff you enjoy being with, you know what I mean? Like I would say Graham and I and Derek and Micah and any Derek, anybody we've had before, we've had fun, you know, we, we have, we have a good time as a coaching staff. And so it, my number one priority and Graham can attest to this when we talked about, Hey, what are we looking for? We get hundreds of applications for the assistant job. What are we looking for? We're looking for somebody that cares about our players and that we can do life with look, those two things, like that's what we're looking for more than anything. And all the other stuff we can figure out, you know what I mean? There's, there's a video out there on how to beat a one, three, one or whatever. Like we can figure it out if we're willing to spend the time doing that. So, Hey, Lisa and, and uh, Graham, I really appreciate y'all taking the time. I think this will hopefully serve staffs and thinking about how they go about, you know, doing their business. I, I, one final thought that came to my mind was, the, the episode that we had with Tony Bennett and he said, you know, when he first took over, what's the most important thing His dad told him this, find people you can lose with, you know what I mean? And I could lose with you guys any day of the week, Lisa at, at key five and, and, and Graham at, at Emmanuel, like we do lose, uh, but I want to lose with good people. And I, I, I could lose with both you guys any day of the week. And I know that does sounds counterintuitive to being a head coach or being an assistant coach, like find people you can lose with. What are you talking about? But the wisdom in that statement is 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 really big. And so, hey, listen, uh, this is a, a pleasure to do. I had a lot of fun doing this. And, and this is uh, Graham Maxwell. Thank you for joining us. Um, does an amazing job. And she is Lisa and I am TJ and we are the Hardwood Hustle. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Hardwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. 
If you haven't already, don't forget to check out PGC's coaching clinics. There are six locations to choose from, and each clinic will feature a variety of topics and speakers, which you can check out now at pgccoaching.com. From the Harwood Hustle team, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Harwood underscore Hustle. We can't wait to be with you again next week.